Hi there, it's your guest host, Jeff Edgers. I know you're probably scrambling around these last few weeks of summer, maybe getting the kids off to camp, or perhaps you're on the final days of vacation, trying to get some me time before work takes over. But let's take a moment to embrace a little of our inner Mr. Rogers and think about one thing we often take for granted. Friendships. They're not just so you can get a ride to the airport, really. They actually can benefit our physical and mental health, too. So we're bringing you this encore episode about why friendships are so important. Post Reports host and my friend, Alahi Azadi, will take it from here. Hey, Camila. Hi. Why do I know my name? (laughs) This is my friend, Camila. We met six years ago through friends, and we hit it off immediately. We now do a lot of different things together. Volunteer, work out, talk about spirituality. And, oh, and also the cool thing about both of us is we both have a very distinct laugh. <laughs> Last week, we met up to go for a walk, and I asked her about our friendship. I what I will say about our friendship, Elahi came into my life several years ago. <laughs> And she Came into it, and I'm never leaving your life. Leaving I, what I love about our friendship is we can we can talk about everything. Yes, absolutely, and, and support each other. I just love because when I was younger, I didn't really have like a lot. I have obviously I have friends, but I didn't have that spiritual connection oh, with my friends. We're always like just trying to talk about why are we here and the purpose yeah, of life. Exactly. It's like yeah. what I always want to talk about. Right. <laughs> so I really and then also like how you work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, Camila. Feelings mutual. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's the tribe. I love the tribe. I love our tribe. We tend to place friendships below our romantic partnerships. Teddy Amenabar is a reporter for the well-being team at The Post. But there's a growing amount of research around people with stronger friendships tend to have better mental health and they they are in better physical health. And having friends is as important as getting to bed early or eating well. Teddy is the reason I'm out here interviewing my friend because he's been reporting on the surprising health benefits of friendships. You know, there's this one study of 736 Swedish men that found that living with life partner didn't affect the risk of heart attack or heart disease, but having friends did. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. Today, what science tells us about why friendships are so important. They don't just make us feel good. They actually benefit our bodies and minds in all kinds of ways. Plus, what we can do to prioritize friends in everyday life. So I talked to experts who study friendships and the way that we form friendships and what Dr. Marissa Franco told me, this professor at University of Maryland, is that we tend to think of friends as this like magical thing. They're so hard to get and they're so hard to find, but that we're often overthinking it, that friends are usually just the people who we are around the most or we spend the most time with. So one piece of research that stuck with me that's also from the University of Maryland, is they found that cadets in police academy said that the people who they considered close friends in their class of the academy were just the people who sit right next to them. So Franco's point is just like, we just all need to stop 
thinking too much about this. Like if the people who we surround ourselves at work or however we spend our free time, those are probably people who can be our friends if we want them to be. Yeah, this is so interesting to me because I do feel like the predominant message we get in pop culture, our movies, TV shows, is that you actually just need one relationship in your life to be fulfilled, a romantic relationship. So I'm wondering, what did the researchers you spoke to, what did they say about what the science shows of what happens to our bodies and our state of mind when we have strong friendships? So The research says that people with strong friendships tend to have better mental health and better physical health, that larger social networks lower our risk of premature death in the same ways that exercise or or dieting do, if not more than both of those activities. So you have these associations between friendship and better health, but then there are also these psychological benefits that researchers have found. That friends help us cope with stress, that when we see a challenging activity, we are less intimidated by it when our friends are around us. There's also some research around how having good friends helps us be a better romantic partner. There's this funny research in University of Virginia where students were asked to rate the prospect of climbing a steep hill, and researchers found that when those people were standing next to a friend of theirs, they viewed the hill as less challenging to climb. Oh my gosh, really? How cute is that? That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so there are also these brain imaging studies that suggest that friendships affect our brain systems associated with reward and stress and negative emotions. And so how is this different than, like, having a romantic partnership or even, like, having kids or relationships with your parents and other family members? Yeah, well, experts say there are a lot of responsibilities around your romantic partner or your children. And with friends, there's a lot less expectations. Your time spent together is usually around an activity or, you know, talking and hearing each other, not dealing with, like, the daily stressors of life. In many ways, like... Your experiences with friends are often the best times of your week because you're doing things that you already enjoy, whether it's just like grabbing a coffee or going out to lunch or going to the gym or or doing some activity. Do we know more about like what kinds of friendships lead to these benefits? Because, you know, like the whole idea of like toxic friendships or having like a lot of friends, but maybe not deep friendships. There's some idea that like you can only have such a large social network. So, you know, there's one piece of research that supposes that you can only have like 150 people in your social network. If you were to really like go down and put down a list of every single person mm-hmm. you care about, you'd probably write 150 people. Do you um, have 150 people? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now I'm like running yeah. through my head. Who are my 150 people? I know you start just making the, yeah. the like whiteboard. Yeah. So, I mean, it, in terms of, you know, how do you determine what is a good friendship what I'm overwhelmingly hearing is you just don't overthink it. Like a friend should be somebody who you get energy from and feeling that spark with your friendship, just like you would feel a spark with a romantic partner. Dr. Marissa Franco, she's a professor at the University of Maryland. She's also an author of a book recently published called Platonic. She kind of walks through this scenario. You walk through a dinner party, you talk to different individuals at the party. And like, you can kind of tell who you're having a conversation with and who you're gelling with and who you're really misfiring with. And and 
the biggest thing really is that we just need to make that jump and say, hey, this is fun. Let's go do something. Yeah. Is that we often, I mean, this is actually what I find so interesting is that we just often assume that people don't like us. So there's a study out of the University of Utah where researchers had 70 college freshmen record their interactions with budding relationships. So you're heading into school, you're meeting new people. Like, what are you doing with them? Are you watching TV? Are you going for runs? Are you, what are you talking about? And what they found is that after a three-month period, the relationships that were most likely to become close friends were relationships where people expressed affection and said, I appreciate what's happening here. I appreciate you. Or like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, not, not as verbatim as that, but I just think it's a reminder that if we have a budding friendship, it's important to tell somebody that we value them or that we think that we're having a good time with them because that's both appreciated and also is a great way to get to a close friendship or lifelong friends. What does the science say about how friendships and relationships play a role in your life versus like other things you can do to be healthy, like sleeping and things like that? So there are a number of studies researchers have found that having a larger social network lowers our risk of premature death more than exercise or dieting. You know, there there are a couple of theories of why we have this association between friendship and better health. A strong social network could just be an indicator that it's easier for you to seek medical care, get to the hospital. Someone with more friends just might have a better support system. But that's where that those psychological effects of friendship get into play, too. Like, not only do we see this association between having friends and having better physical and mental health, but we are also seeing that friends help us cope with stress or we're less anxious or the friendships we have in our life help us, you know, have better relationships with our romantic partners. Like, those two pieces fitting together are then what researchers get on the phone and tell me, like, yeah, friendship is so important. It's a way for us to combat loneliness. After the break, I talk with Teddy about how loneliness affects our health and how to find and build new friendships wherever you are in life. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Teddy, we know there are a lot of people who feel lonely. I mean, especially in this country and in Europe. And what do we know about what feels like rampant loneliness in in this country? Yeah, there was a 2021 AEI survey that said that 12% of Americans say they have no close friends. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I know it's sad. Uh, Loneliness is this perception that we have fewer friends or social connections than we think we should or than we want. And you can be lonely at any point through life. It is this this like public health concern. I mean, you, you have public health experts incredibly concerned about how little we are spending time with each other. It's that whole bowling alone concept of not doing hobbies or activities in groups, but just participating by yourself or staying at home altogether. And we know that having strong, good friends are good for our health. And then we also know that if we don't have friends, there's a risk of loneliness. And loneliness is associated with higher levels of anxiety and stress and and other health concerns for a specific populations, especially older Americans. Say a little bit more or maybe talk about what happens to your health when you're lonely. Like, why is that considered a public health concern? You know, Loneliness is associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. There have been other, you know, more specific studies that find that for older women, loneliness and social isolation can increase the risk of heart disease as much as 27%. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. And again, loneliness is this perception that we are not as connected as we want to be. So it is hard to say. It's hard to define One expert I talked to, Smiley Pozwalski, he's the author of this book, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, you know, really stressed this idea that social media exasperated our perception of loneliness because we're scrolling through Instagram or or whatever app you might choose to use, and you're just seeing everybody spend time without you. It also seems like a lot of the reasons that there is this rampant loneliness and challenges around cultivating and maintaining friendships has to do with like our culture, the way in which we live and operate. And I mean, there are societies with more communal or community-oriented ways of living. And I don't know about you, Teddy, but it feels like I'm so busy all the time. I have to do all this other stuff. And that can't be good for prioritizing relationships and friendships. So I wanted to ask you, what tips did experts give you for rekindling friendships, starting friendships, maintaining friendships? Yeah, I like this one tip from Dr. Marissa Franco, who just said, yeah, we're all busy. So instead, just think of the activities that you are doing throughout a day. Maybe you're going to the public library, or maybe you're even just going to the grocery store and just ask a friend who lives near you to to go with you and mm. to you know as you're walking to the grocery store or as you're driving to the grocery store just have a conversation what experts would say is we too often think of oh we just have to invent a new activity to fit into our very crowded calendar and instead just try to invite friends into your daily life mm. yeah like i'm already doing the errand so come along with me and i, I think some people will say like well, my friend lives in another city or my friend lives in another county. I can't go to my yoga class with them or go to the gym with them. And I I think what researchers would say is like, maybe you should find a friend at your yoga class. Because what's so fascinating is that the more we spend time with people, face-to-face time, the more likely we are to want to become friends with them. And so if you have that person at that 7 a.m. Saturday aerobics class who you just are really jiving with, like invite them for coffee because Mm. those are the people you're going to build connections with. I think it's kind of funny, though, to talk about starting new friendships, especially in adulthood. And 
you know, it can kind of maybe feel awkward and weird. You know, when you're growing up, you're just thrown into school and it's sort of the premise that everyone's trying to find friends. So what can I do as an adult to make a new friend? Yeah, I mean, one tip is just to think of the other people who maybe have just moved to your city or just started a new job. Like people are more open to the idea of new friendships or new relationships when they are also rooting themselves in a new place. And so, you know, you can think of it in that way. But then also, you're absolutely right. Like from 5 to 18 or even before that and after that with college, we we have all of these constructed systems for shared time together. And it might not feel like that in adulthood, but researchers would say we just, we just aren't seeing the opportunities there, which is like, you know, at work, we're spending we are around people in the same ways that we are around people at school. Mm. And those are the opportunities. Those are the people who, as you're running into them every day or every week, you can try to talk about something other than big project you got to turn in the next yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, really telling on yourself there, Teddy, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, what can I do, like as you're talking about work friends, for instance, I'm someone who's notoriously bad at keeping in touch with people once like I move on to a new job. So what mm. can I do to like maintain my friendships and what has this reporting sort of had you rethinking your approach to the friends you already have? In the conversations I've had with researchers, it has made me a bit more at peace with the idea that friendship is in some ways a matter of convenience, the people you are around and spending time with. And so if you have a friend who moves a three-hour drive away, there are ways to stay in touch with them, but there are, you also need to think of the people in your community who you're surrounded with who you could start a new friendship with. Mm -hmm. I think we can often, myself included, get really focused on the friends of the past, the high school friends, the college friends who've who moved to different jobs or whatever. And there are ways to keep in touch, you know, over text, scheduling a call. But everything I heard from researchers was just like, we shouldn't get that hung up on that. And we should instead think of the people in our everyday life because that's what's going to be convenient in a life that feels so busy and stressful and hard to juggle, like mm -hmm. trips to a different city. Teddy, what do you think makes for a good friendship? I think after reporting this story, to be a good friend, you have to show affection. That was what I was most convinced mm. by. You know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but you just have to say in some way that you enjoyed the time spent. Because if you think from the other person's point of view, they're also thinking, oh, this person doesn't like me. Everybody is thinking that no one else likes, likes them. them. Yeah. So I'm trying to consciously think of ways I can say like, hey, thanks for inviting me to rock climb. Or, hey, mm. uh, it was really fun catching up. Dr. Marissa Franco points out early on in her book that the original intention of platonic love is to reflect Plato's vision of a love so powerful it transcends the physical. And that's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think that's... That's romance right there. Yeah. We do not think of that when we hear platonic love. Teddy Amenabar is a reporter for the well-being team at The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Taylor White and Eliza Dennis. 
It was edited by Maggie Penman and Lucy Perkins. It was mixed by Sam Baer. Special thanks to my friend Camila Thompson. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Ariel Plotnick, Arjun Singh, Sabi Robinson, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Svernovsky, Emma Taukoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Elahe Izadi. Go see your friends this weekend. And if you can't see them, call them, text them, or you can at me. We'll be back Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs>